Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning into Lots of Thoughts, a sports podcast, episode 29. We're getting into all the big trades of the NBA offseason, from Rudy Gobert to DeJounte Murray, and lastly, the big one, the potential Kevin Durant trade. I'm going to go through five, maybe six, locations that Kevin Durant could end up in the offseason. Uh, with that being said, let's get into it. want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you haven't already, follow us on social media at Lots of Thoughts Sports, both on Instagram and TikTok, or you can follow us on Twitter at LOT Sports Pod. You can visit our website, lotsofthoughts.godaddysites.com. There you can view the podcast on any platform you like, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much wherever you want to get it. Uh, you can also just listen right in the web page, or you can subscribe to our free newsletter. So feel free to do that at Lots of Thoughts sites.com um the title i know it was about kevin durant and i'm going to get to that but first i wanted to address some of the other trades that i think were were pretty seismic in the nba and uh were very important for the playoff landscape really two moves that i personally did not think were going to happen um so first off let's get into the jonte murray trade um essentially going from san antonio to atlanta for several first round picks i, I forgot What's the number if it's four? I want to say it's four or five picks. Uh, either way, I think this is a good trade for Atlanta to improve themselves. Uh, it's a win-now trade, even though DeJounte Murray's young. Um, he's only got two years left on his deal. And the reason he was traded, essentially, one, San Antonio isn't going anywhere and they want to lose. But two, uh, you know, they want to get picks in return, obviously. But... More importantly, DeJounte Murray went up to ownership and management and told them that he probably wouldn't re-sign if given the offer. And I can't blame him. Who, who wants to stay on a losing team forever? So they did the right thing. They did the smart thing San Antonio did and traded him to Atlanta. Starting off from a basketball perspective, uh, getting Trey Young off ball is going to be interesting. It's probably something that will benefit him throughout the length of the season. Um, you know, getting him more spot up shots is probably a good thing for his efficiency. Uh, and DeJounte Murray playing off ball is probably not too realistic. Uh, so they're going to stagger minutes a lot, I'd imagine, but gives them a certified ball handler uh, for when Trey Young is not on the floor, who can really distribute the offense. Uh, that's something Lou Williams, Rajon Rondo even didn't do the best at um, in backup roles in Atlanta. Uh, so. I really like that for them from a basketball perspective. Uh, I, I know you want to get Trey Young off ball uh, more. I just am a little bit concerned uh, in the fit there because Trey Young is such a good passer and he really opens up that offense that if you have him, you know, play more of a shooting guard role or even a combo guard role, uh, I don't think that's necessarily the best solution, which is why I think they stagger the minutes. And Nate McMillan knows what he's doing. I, I think. Uh, less experienced or a less talented coach may have issues with that, but I don't think he will. Um, overall, from from a really a management or business perspective, I think this is a good move if they can re-sign Dejounte Murray. Um, I think having him and Trey as a young backcourt duo, uh, I think they're a fairly good combination together. I think locking them up long term makes this deal a lot more worth it. If he just leaves after two years and the Hawks aren't contenders, then, you know, why'd you trade all those picks? And I do think the Hawks need one more piece before they can truly be in the upper echelon of teams, you know, with the Celtics, 
uh, with the Warriors, with the 76ers, with the Bucks, with the Suns, you know, that kind of caliber of team. Uh, but I think this brings them one step closer and one more move could do that, especially if they lock him up for the long term. I, I did like the Kevin Herter trade. Uh, Kevin Herter had his moments, but he clearly didn't have as high of a ceiling as this team needed him to have. And with the trade for DeJounte Murray, uh, he's not, I don't think he's really that great of a, you know, an asset off the bench, uh, trading him for Justin holiday, I think was a good move. It gives them a three and D wing that they can play alongside either DeJounte Murray or Trey young or both, uh, if necessary. And I think that's what you need to surround them with. Uh, same with Deandre Hunter, same with John Collins, although minus, uh, Minus some of the defense, uh, you know, he's a better offensive player, uh, not just a three-point shooter, uh, but decent at that, at that as well. Um, if they do move him, I won't be mad, assuming they do pick up a 3 and D wing or two. Um, and I could still see them being active in a DeAndre Ayton trade, given that Clint Capella has clearly st- taken a step back, especially on the defensive end. Um, but overall, I like the move for Atlanta a lot. I like the move for the Spurs a lot more. Next up, we had the Rudy Gobert trade. And uh, this is the second major trade. And I, I should have mentioned, I, I didn't expect a Jonte Murray to get traded. Granted, I didn't know he went to ownership and told them that he was probably wasn't going to resign, but uh, I thought that he would stay for another year before he was shipped out. Rudy Gobert in the same vein. I think I talked about when the jazz were eliminated or, or maybe when they were down early in round one that I thought, it's time to blow this core up. It's time to separate Mitchell and Gobert um, and and really kind of get rid of those satellite pieces and, and try something different because this is not going to work. And while I said it should have been done, I didn't think it was going to be done. And it was done. Rudy Gobert was traded uh, to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I think this is a great move for the Jazz. They get an excellent return. I believe five first-round picks. And it really actually blew the core up when it was time to. Given that he was traded, though, I don't think Donovan Mitchell should be moved. I've seen a lot of mocks of him being in any potential Kevin Durant deal with Ben Simmons going back to Utah and Donovan Mitchell ending up in Brooklyn with some combination of Russell Westbrook from the Lakers. And um, I forget what else. Uh, if I think Kevin Durant was going to the Suns in those deals, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I, you know, people come up with their own trades on Twitter. That's the fun part. But Back to the point. I don't think Donovan Mitchell should be moved, and I don't think he will be moved unless an offer absolutely blows them out of the water. I think the team that everyone kind of has him linked to is the Knicks, mostly because his dad works uh, for the New York Mets in New York, and Donovan Mitchell is often at Madison Square Garden if he's not playing. Uh, He's often at Citi Field. Uh, He's a big Mets fan, uh, New York guy, and so a lot of people have him linked to the Knicks finally ending their point guard problem. Although they, you know, they signed Jalen Brunson. So I don't think they're as desperate, um, but they could always, you know, move pieces around. And, and obviously Donovan Mitchell is more of a natural shooting guard anyway. But besides my point, um, I don't think he should be moved. Uh, but back on the focus of Rudy Gobert. I think him in Minnesota, I think the Timberwolves will be interesting team to watch. This is the best big man duo we've had in a long time. Very, you know, 80s and 90s bully ball-esque. And it's kind of weird to say that Carl Anthony Towns is in a could be in a bully ball system, but playing him at, at power forward does that. I don't think it's a bad fit whatsoever, um, you know, but it's, it's definitely a big lineup. Uh, I guess you'd start 
obviously D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, and then Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert, and then probably Jared Vanderbilt alongside of them. Maybe Kyle Anderson, if they don't believe in Vanderbilt enough, but I feel like they have a lot of faith in him. Uh, I think that's a contending starting lineup. I don't love their depth, um, but I think that right there is enough to be a top five seed in the West and and really try to make a run in the playoffs. And they weren't far, that far away last year. The, you know, the famous play-in game where Patrick Beverly jumped on the table and um, you know started crying when they made it to the playoffs. That was for their seventh seed spot. So, you know, they're really not that far away. They were one piece away, and this is a big piece to get. Uh, Rudy Gobert, three-time defensive player of the year, really an impact player, and uh, I think he'll be a good fit. Um, this It's really interesting when it comes to fit, right? I think there's been a trend where in the, you know, the early 2000s, especially when Shaq was around, Dwight Howard, uh, Yao Ming, th- there was a very physical presence in the NBA where if you didn't have a center that could match up with one of those guys, you were in trouble because they were going to bully you down low. And then as time went on, especially with the Warriors early resurgence in 2015, 2017, that era, um, we had kind of like a small ball center movement, right? Draymond Green playing a lot of center uh, in the lineups that featured Iguodala and KD and Clay and, and Steph. Um, the, even the Cavs who won the championship, Tristan Thompson was their center, even though he's probably more of a natural power forward. At least he was then. Uh, you know, there's there's teams that really thrived off of having five shooters on the floor, or at least five guys who could shoot on the floor and not as much bully ball down low. And I think you're starting to see a swing back. And we're only just getting there, but guys like Embiid, guys like Jokic, guys like Gobert, uh, Towns, um, I'm blanking on a few others, but you know, there's really physically imposing centers in this league now that can back you down again. And I think it's a movement that's that's really starting to ramp up. And I think the Timberwolves might be ahead of the game, getting two big players who aren't a horrible fit together. I, I, I want to reiterate that. Carl Anthony Towns can shoot. He's one of the best big men, one of the best shooting big men of all time, if not the best. He's really exceptional. I mean, he was in the three-point contest for a reason, right? Um, So his fit as a power forward is really defensively, in my opinion, and I think he's very capable of defending fours. Uh, They're going to rely on him less to be a shot blocker, I think, and rely on him more to be, you know, more of a perimeter defender, but I think his athleticism will make that work, and it's a big reason why I think that this is not a bad fit. I think it was a lot to give up for Rudy Gobert, and I think the Jazz did really well uh, with their return, that I like the win now move for the Timberwolves. And I'm really, really interested to see what this team can do going into next season and potentially into the playoffs. Okay, now on to the meat and potatoes of this episode. It's what the title's about. It's what I want to talk about. It's probably what you want to hear. Potential Kevin Durant landing spots for the 2022-2023 NBA season. I want to start off with some opening notes. And... um Usually I try to stay a little objective in this, but it's really hard to. This is a disaster for Brooklyn. A disaster for the Nets, a disaster for Joe Psy, a disaster for Sean Marks, a disaster for Steve Nash, a certified failure. They had three of the most talented offensive players in NBA history 
Kyrie Irving, who may have the best handles in NBA history, who could hit a shot from anywhere. James Harden, who's one of the best volume scorers in NBA history and really took a playmaking role and excelled at it. And Kevin Durant, possibly the greatest scorer in NBA history, at least top five, maybe even a top 10 talent in NBA history. You had all three of them on the same roster. And you won one playoff series. This big three will go on to be one of the biggest what-ifs in NBA history. The biggest one what-if in NBA history. We, we I think there's a common meme that goes around uh, the, the biggest what-if of the Lakers team. I want to say it was like 2011, maybe 2013. I, I, it was not too long ago, but Steve Nash, Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol, Dwight Howard, all on the same team. And that's highly regarded just because you have four guys who were probably on track to be for the top 50 guys. Well, maybe not Pau Gasol, but the other three, you know, three of the top 50 guys, Dwight Howard, I should say 50 best players in NBA history. Dwight Howard kind of tailed off, um, didn't really keep that prime going. Um, but Steve Nash is certainly up there. Obviously, Kobe Bryant certainly up there. And Pau Gasol, you know, several time all-star, really it was really a very talented lineup that never went anywhere for various reasons. But back to the Nets. I think this is going to be the biggest what if in NBA history. In 2021, we know um, NBA playoffs, Eastern Conference semifinals, Bucks versus Nets. They go to seven games. James Harden pulls his hamstring 30 seconds into game one. Kyrie Irving sprains his ankle going up for a shot. Uh, after Giannis undercut him, I'm still salty. Um, and Kevin Durant was a half an inch from making the game winner in game seven. And who knows if they would have won the championship, right? Milwaukee ended up winning it, but who knows if they beat Phoenix or even if they beat Atlanta in the next round. But um, it was one playoff series. And this year they obviously got swept. Didn't have Ben Simmons, didn't have Joe Harris. This is, this is an abject failure. And even though it won't be the failure that uh, the 2013 trade was, the Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce deal that set them back years and years and gave the Celtics Jason, I almost said Jason Terry because he was also in the deal, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and their young core, it's not going to be that bad because at least the Nets have some assets and they'll get some more assets when they trade away KD and Kyrie. If they do, we'll get into that a little bit later. But this is a failure for the Brooklyn Nets. I, I want to talk about Steve Nash's hiring momentarily. Steve Nash was brought in for two reasons. One, he seemed to have a deeper understanding of the game, right? Really, one of the greatest point guards of all time. Top five greatest point guards of all time. MVP, you know, really just a, a basketball nerd, essentially, that could really unleash the firepower in this offense. And then the other thing was he was going to be able to relate to the players. He was an attitude manager. I'll tell you what, the first year looked good. They were in sync. The three of them, James Harden, Kyrie, Kevin Durant. And with the accessory pieces, Bruce Brown, Blake Griffin, Joe Harris, they were firing. They were 
one of the most efficient offenses of all time might have even been the most efficient offense of all time at the uh, at that moment but everything looked good and this year this past basketball season everything fell apart not only was the offense just give the ball to KD and see what he can do because Kyrie was out and James Harden has had various issues including him being overweight, out of shape, and not wanting to play. But the offense was just completely lacking creativity. And so that, that, that damages one point, right? Steve Nash was not the offensive mastermind that we thought he was, or we thought he could be, or Brooklyn thought he could be, should I say. But he couldn't manage personalities. Kyrie Irving had the vaccine issue. James Harden and him had a spat, and it's clear they don't like each other. From the game that he played, that they played against each other, Philly versus Brooklyn, Kyrie was locked in and was not messing around. He did not like James Harden, and James Harden did not like him. There was some personality issues there where Steve Nash let this all crumble. He didn't keep Kevin Durant happy. He didn't keep Kyrie Irving happy. He certainly didn't keep James Harden happy. And now all three of them could be on the way out. I don't think Kenny Atkinson was the coach for this team. But it's really, really clear that Steve Nash is not either. And he's probably going to be around at least this season, maybe into the next one. I think there's also some things to take away um, from Kevin Durant asking out for, you know, asking for a trade. One, he he doesn't care about his legacy, right? And, and to some degree, I respect it. He was criticized a lot for going from OKC to Golden State, the team that beat him. You know, if you can't beat him, join him. My next chapter, there's, a, you know, a million jokes about him joining the team that defeated them and running away from the challenge just to go to the best team in the league. And then he asks out this time around and wants to go to Phoenix or Miami, the number one seeds in each conference. Like, he does not care what people say about him. Which is really ironic because this is the same guy that came in with a burner account to try to debate fans about his legacy. But he's just there to try to get on a really, really good team, neither of which I really think are a better situation if they do trade for Kevin Durant than he's in right now. But I'll talk about that later. I'll talk about both of those teams. I think the the last thing that I'll say on this before I get into the teams is that I think this does quite a bit to damage the player empowerment movement. Right? So Kevin Durant comes to Brooklyn. With Kyrie Irving, they take less money so they can fit in DeAndre Jordan. I don't think the Nets really like DeAndre Jordan. They had a really developing young star in Jared Allen, who you know, recently made the all-star team this past year with Cleveland. I don't think they really wanted DeAndre Jordan, and it was clear that he was a real negative asset as time went along. But KD wanted him, so they got him, right? Then KD spends a year out with his Achilles injury. And it was worth it. It was worth it. If you were going to get three years of Kevin Durant, you were willing to pay for that extra year, right? And the Nets medical team was really good, really connected to Kevin Durant. That seemed like a great thing, right? But they still put out the money for that. Keep that in mind. He also chose Kyrie, who the Nets, I don't think were completely in love with taking, but they definitely were okay with. He was very on board for the trade for Hard, which Nets ownership was also on board with and management was also on board with. And I, I still don't think was a bad decision. I'll, I'll say that right now. I don't think they gave up. They gave up a lot of picks. I don't think they gave up 
as much as people make it seem. Karis Levert's not great. Um, you know, he's kind of a role player. Jared Allen's the main piece that left, uh, obviously. Um, I forgot who else went in that deal. Torian Prince and Rodion Skurugs, uh, both of which I have very little love for. So, you know, it's it's pretty much Jared Allen was the main piece and the picks, obviously. I think you do that 10 times out of 10 to try to see what you can build. But back to back to Kevin Durant. Um, Outside of teammates, he chose the coach, right? Steve Nash worked with him in Golden State. He was a player, I forgot his official position, player development coordinator or something like that, um, and helped bring him to Brooklyn. Obviously, Steve Nash also had the connection to Sean Marks from their Phoenix days, but Kevin Durant was very on board with that, and it's obvious Steve Nash is not the guy. He helped choose some of the uniforms. The Basquiat's were his idea and, you know, made the Nets money. But now he wants to leave with four years left on his contract. Um, his agent should be fired for Rich Kleiman, honestly, if he wasn't his business partner, for signing him to this contract because he could be a free agent in this offseason had he not done that. And he wouldn't have to gut any team that he was being traded to. But it's a lot for Kevin Durant to have control over in Brooklyn only to end up leaving. And I think that hurts when players, it hurts the public image when players want out, uh, when they see someone do this kind of thing, or they see someone like Harden gain weight to get out twice within one calendar year. You know, it really damages that movement, which I think is not a bad thing necessarily. Uh, but the way it's happening is definitely uh, leaving me thinking that this could trend in the opposite direction going forward. Now onto the teams. Um, I've got them rated. I know I had five landing spots in the title. I'm going to do six because I think there's six potential and I think all the rest are big stretch. Uh, some of the honorable mentions that I'm not going to talk about. Boston, I think that could be a deal that's done, although I don't think they have uh, the assets the Nets really want. I think Robert Williams and Jalen Brown is a good package, but not for where the Nets are going. Um, Memphis, same thing. They've got a lot of young talent, but I don't really... Uh, think that the Nets would be willing to do that. Maybe the picks would be worth it, but I think then the Grizzlies are really budding right now. I don't think those picks are going to be as valuable as other teams, especially some of the older teams. Um, and the Lakers are also mentioned a lot, so I wanted to mention them. Um, I don't think it's likely they end up with Kyrie, nevertheless KD. Uh, I just don't think they have the assets to pull that off. Okay, so I have them ranked from 6-1. to one. I'm going to start with number 6. And it's the Miami Heat. It was on Kevin Durant's, you know, list that was reported via Woj. Um, here's what I think the package would have to be: Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and six first rounders. So that report said that KD wanted to go to the Miami Heat, but there's also a report that came out later that said he would only go if Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Kyle Lowry stayed. And I don't think that's possible. I think there's a world, you know, there's a trade package where it's Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Max Struess, you know, Omar Yurt 7, and the money matches. But I don't think the Nets would lose out on that much talent. And they can't trade for Bam Adebayo with Ben Simmons on the roster due to the trade exception. Um, essentially, for those of you who don't know, you can't trade for more than one player who's extended off of his rookie contract. It's essentially the rule. So they already traded for Ben Simmons, who's extended off his rookie contract. Can't do a trade for Bam Adebayo. Uh, some of the other guys that would be in contention, um, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Andrew Wiggins, 
potentially um I'm trying to think of some of the others that would come up zion williamson um those are the main ones that i'm going to talk about or you know that, that are relevant to the conversation but um so given that autobio can't go back and jimmy butler's not going to go back because that would be kind of pointless for both sides um i think lowry has to be the main piece and that's really unfortunate tyler Hero is really the sweetener but they would take a lot of picks in return I think this is easily the worst return for the Nets, which is why I don't have why I don't have it higher on the list. Um, but it's still a relative possibility if the Nets do succumb to what KD wants. Next up, I have number five. I think this is a real sleeper. I think this is something not a lot of people are talking about outside the fans of this team. Uh, but it's the Philadelphia 76ers. I think if they put a package together based on Tyrese Maxey, Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thybul. And then Tobias Harris for the contract and three or four first, probably three for, for the actual asset. And then one to take on Tobias Harris, Tobias, oh my gosh, Tobias Harris's contract. Cause that's a mess. I would hate this. I'm going to be honest. I don't like James Harden because of what he did to the Nets. I'm speaking from a Nets fan perspective. Keep in mind throughout this whole thing. I mentioned it, but I just want to reiterate. Um, I'm biased. I'm very biased and I'm not particularly hiding my bias when I talk about this. So just keep that in mind. I'm trying to be objective, but it's hard. Uh, uh, back to this. Um, I would not like this. I would not like James Harden, who I don't like, and Joel Embiid, who's very irritating to me at, at times, um, on the floor with KD, who just screwed over my favorite team. It would be rough from, from a Nets fan perspective, but I like the package a lot. I like Tyrese Maxey a lot. I thought there was a small potential he could be in the James Harden deal. Uh, you know, th- that obviously didn't happen and it shouldn't have happened because he he might already be, a bit, be better than James Harden right now. But uh, I think he's a good return for KD. Um, and I think the picks are a sweetener. I think Fiebel's just along for the ride. And same with Tobias Harris. I think there's several things that would need to happen. Um, I think KD and Harden's relationship being frayed would have would need to have been overblown. I talked about earlier. I talked about uh, Kyrie and, and Harden's relationship being, you know, very opposed to one another. And Kyrie and KD are, are good friends, and I think that's a large reason why Harden asked out because it was kind of a two versus one scenario. But uh, KD, KD, oh my gosh, KD and and James Harden would need to be, you know, cool with playing with one another. I know KD and Embiid respect each other, even though. If, they, they talk a lot of crap on the court. I think they would very much willingly be ready to play with each other, but it's those two, Katie and Harden, that I think would be the the test. Uh, this is an interesting landing spot for me, just because you really, you're adding Embiid to a list of all the talent that Katie's played with, right? And the offensive firepower, I think, would be incredible, right? Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, James Harden, they got DeAnthony Melton, Danwell House, P.J. Tucker, Shake Milton, Furkan Korkmaz. Okay, we're getting deep here. Um, there's not much else behind that. You know, B-Ball Paul Reed coming up from the G League. Uh, there, there's not a lot of talent there. But that top eight or nine guys is really a, a decent list, in my opinion. Getting DeAnthony Melton was a good pickup, especially for a guy like Danny Green, who was really underwhelming and has been for a few seasons. Um, I think this team could be you know, a real title favorite uh, if they get Kevin Durant. I think it would be worth it to give up their young star and Tyrese Maxey. Next up, number four on the list. 
had the Phoenix Suns. The second of the teams that Kevin Durant listed. Here's what I think Phoenix would give up. Right? And I want to be clear. This is not what I think the Nets are going to receive. I think this is what Phoenix would give up. And it'd be a sign and trade for DeAndre Ayton. It'd be Cam Johnson. It'd be Mikael Bridges and five firsts. I don't think Ayton would end up in Brooklyn. Obviously, I mentioned the trade exception rule. So either way, a third team would have to come in, right? They'd have to either take Simmons or Ayton because Brooklyn couldn't take both. But I don't think Brooklyn values the offensive or defensive ability of DeAndre Ayton as much as they would need to if this deal got done, right? And so that's why I think Ayton would end up elsewhere and there would be some assets coming from that third team back to the Nets. What I think this is, if it does happen, is truly the player empowerment trade, right? If they gave KD one option to play for a team he wanted to, it would be Phoenix in my mind. And um, I think this comes back to what I mentioned earlier about the extension, right? If they didn't trade for, I'm sorry, if he didn't re-sign, then he could leave in the offseason and just go to uh, Phoenix. And they the Nets would be forced to do a sign and trade with DeAndre and then have to trade him or trade Ben Simmons because that's really the only value they're going to get back. Um, otherwise, it, you know, Kevin Durant could be on the Suns without them having to give up assets and gut the team. So he should really be kicking a rich climate for that. All right. Number three on the list. I have the New Orleans Pelicans. Right. This comes down to one thing and one thing only. They've got a lot of picks and they could trade those. So I think uh, the deal would look like Brandon Ingram, Larry Nance Jr., Herb Jones and seven first round picks. I think. And I, before I continue, sorry, I want to mention that um, I'm not really confident in these deals. I'm a Nets fan. And they're probably biased. Um, I've taken a look, uh, you know, a lot of looks at what people suggest, writers suggest, and I'm kind of culminating a lot of that and what I think the Nets are are targeting after because that's what I feel like I know best uh, in this scenario. Uh, I don't know the value of first round picks and they vary greatly between teams, right? For example, if, if KD goes to the Heat, uh, those picks that are in you know 2027 are probably going to be pretty valuable because Jimmy Butler's going to be up there. Kevin Durant's going to be up there, right? Same with the Suns, right? Chris Paul and Kevin Durant as two of your top three best players. Your future is not long, right? So those are probably going to be a lot more valuable than, you know, next year's pick or then even, you know, a 2027 pick from the Pelicans or from, uh, you know, Philadelphia, or I, I don't know. I mean, you get my point. Um, I, I'm roughly throwing things out there. I'm not even talking about whether it's a swap or a pick. I'm just kind of trying to give an idea of what I think could happen. So, you know, take everything I say with a grain of salt, I guess. I'm just a fan at the end of the day. Um, anyway, New Orleans. Uh, Brandon Ingram, Larry Nance Jr., Herb Jones, and seven first-round picks. Brandon Ingram's a real big piece. Herb Jones is a very nice sweetener. Larry Nance is, is there for filler, but also the Nets could use a power forward. A lot of it's the picks, and some of those have to be the Lakers picks. Um, Zion couldn't go in the deal because of the trade exception rule I mentioned earlier. Um, so Brandon Ingram's the next best thing. And I think the Pelicans having a core of Zion, KD, CJ McCollum, uh, Valanchunas there, uh, I think that they could build around that and really make a contender. Um, those excess picks from the Lakers trade, the Anthony Davis trade are what's going to be valuable. 
right? Uh, because, you know, LeBron's, what, 37, 38? Um, that team is not going to be great for, I, I was going to say, for that long. I, I don't even know they're great right now. So, you know, those picks are much more valuable than perhaps an ascending um, New Orleans team's picks would be. But um, I think Brandon Ingram's the best player that could end up on the Nets in any one of these deals. Uh, so that's why I don't think maybe that many picks could be involved. I had seven, and I'm I'm second guessing that maybe it's only five, especially with Herb Jones, you know, really being what uh, did he make first team rookie? I can't remember if he made first all team all team first all team no first all rookie team. There we go. Um, I don't know if he made that or not. I can't remember. I want to say he didn't. I want to say he made second team, but uh, either way, you know, really good young talent in new Orleans. And uh, that would be a decent return for the nets. And that's why I think that they could break a real run because they've got an assets to do it or a run at KD. I should say, because they have the assets to do it next. Number two, it's a cop out. I'm going to say it's a cop out and I'm sorry for it. Um, but it's the Brooklyn nets. I think the nets are being stringent. I think they're waiting for their price and that's a high price, especially with the Rudy Gobert trade, right? Rudy Gobert got five first-round picks, and he's at times a liability in the playoffs. He's one-dimensional offensively, right? The Jazz were, you know, really needed to blow it up because his, uh, I think he limits your potential. Considering how high he is, highly he is paid, he limits your potential ceiling, in my mind. So if he got five first-round picks, what is Kevin Durant going to get? A top 10 player of all time, right? I think they're waiting for that package. And if they run it back and everyone actually plays, right? I know that's that's a lot to ask for with the Nets, right? If Kyrie plays 75 games, if KD plays 75 games, if Ben Simmons plays 75 games, if Joe Harris bounces back from his injury, if Seth Curry doesn't have a nagging ankle, if Nick Claxton stays healthy, um, if Patty Mills isn't second half of the season Patty Mills and plays like the first half of the season where he was lighting the world on fire. I think if everyone's healthy and everyone's playing, this is a contending team. They got swept by the Boston Celtics, right? That's what everyone points to. Only team to get swept in the playoffs. That series was close, right? Even when the Nets felt like they were out of it, and it re- and it really felt like the Nets that were out of it, uh, I'll tell you that I didn't even watch game four. Um, mostly because I was in class, but I I would have listened on the radio or something during class. I've done that several times, but they were so dead and it was so uninspiring that I just couldn't get myself to do it. And I watch every single Nets game every single year. That's how dead they were. And they still had one of the closest series sweeps statistically of all time. They had a closer point differential than the Nets. I'm sorry, than the 76ers and Raptors series in the first round that went six games. Because... All the games were close. I don't think the teams were that far apart. The Nets were the seventh seed, right? I don't think the teams were that far apart in talent. And I think if they had Ben Simmons, all NBA caliber player, right? He made an all NBA team, second in defensive player of the year. And Joe Harris. I don't know. I'm not sure if he's still the leader in three point percentage. I feel like someone might have passed him, but a top five three point shooter in the league at worst. If you add them to the team they had, I think they beat the Celtics. And if they do, what kind of run do they go on, right? The Bucs didn't have Chris Middleton. So I think they get through there. 
I don't remember the order in which uh, teams played. I'm going to be honest, but I think they're better than the 76ers. Um, I'm trying to remember who else made it. I think they're better than the heat. Honestly, um, even with PJ Tucker when he was there, but he was also facing his own injuries. They had different guys in and out of the lineup every night, right? Tyler hero. Didn't give a really full go. I think the Nets were one piece away from really being able to make a run. And if Kevin Durant is there, if Kyrie Irving is there, if Ben Simmons is or is there, if Joe Harris is there, I think that they're probably the best team Kevin Durant could be on next year because they're not gutted. They got Royce O'Neal in the offseason. That was a strange move given the fact that Kevin Durant asked for a trade, but I think he's a great fit alongside their core. I think they can make a trade for Miles Turner if they packaged, you know, Cam Thomas, their young point guard, and a pick or two, or or maybe even a you know roster bubble guy. Oh, that was an awful voice crack. Um, but I think with given that Kevin Durant has four years left of control, the Nets could be willing to to wait to try one more year, try to convince Kyrie and Katie to make a full effort for this year. And see where that takes him. And if they want to trade him in the offseason next year, they still can. Three years of Kevin Durant is still a big, big, big deal. I didn't even mention that when I was talking about how big the asset is. This is not one year of, of Kevin Durant. He's not a rental like Kawhi Leonard was going to Toronto. This is four years of Kevin Durant, a top 10 NBA player. This is going to have to be a mighty package. And if it's not, I could see the Nets holding on. And lastly, number one, I have the Toronto Raptors. I think... This is the most likely scenario, obviously, by the fact that I have number one. I have it number one. Um, but I think it's just incredibly likely, right? Several reasons. One, we've seen a precedent before. Oh, let me talk about the package first that I think would happen. The package, I'm sorry for bouncing around a little bit. The package that I think would be returning would be OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, perhaps a filler player, or maybe Precious Achua, um, but maybe not. That's maybe that's not necessary. And five first rounders. So, so a couple main reasons why I think this is likely. First of all, we've seen precedent for it. Masai Ujiri traded for Kawhi Leonard, gave up Demar Derozan, who at the time was absolutely beloved by the city of Toronto. That city was devastated when he was traded. Kyle Lowry was devastated when he was traded. That was a huge risk trading for Kawhi Leonard not knowing whether he was going to bounce back from his injury and it paid off he carried them to a championship in Toronto in 2019 who's to say this isn't different right I think they're very competitive with another trade I think a team of uh, Fred Van Vliet Gary Trent Jr. Kevin Durant, Pascal Siakam, maybe if they trade for Miles Turner, or maybe Nick Claxton goes in the deal, maybe Seth Curry goes in the deal. I think there's pieces there that could make them a contending team. They nearly brought the 76ers to seven games after being down 3-1, right? They fired back, won two games. No, I'm sorry, they lost in game seven. They were down 3-0, brought it back, won two games, and then lost in game six. The Toronto Raptors are not a bad team already. They're a playoff caliber team as they sit. And I don't think that package is that big of a deal. I know I'll get a lot of Raptors fans saying, oh, we're not including Scotty Barnes in the deal. And I want to address that. Mark Stein, reporter. Um, I want to say a reporter for the New York Post. Uh, but now he's an independent guy. Uh, reports. 
The Raptors have, this is a quote by the way, the Raptors have several excellent players under contract, but zero are on the hands-off list. I think Scotty Barnes could be a very good player, right? Rookie of the year, really talented offensively and defensively, can shoot threes, can drive it to the rim, really has the potential to be a really good player. I think his ceiling, his absolute ceiling, the best he could be is Kevin Durant. I don't think he's capable of being the best player ever, right? Which would be the issue if you traded him. You're trading him for a guy who at the very most could be his ceiling. I think the Raptors do that 10 times out of 10. I don't think they're hesitant to trade Scotty Barnes. It's got to hurt if you're trading for four years of KD, right? Especially if it's a team that doesn't know if he's going to be happy all those four years. Like the Raptors don't know. He was on, those two teams weren't on the, or I should say, the two teams that he suggested were not the Raptors. They don't know if he's going to be that secure long-term. But I think their young assets, their young wings, uh, could be a real difference maker for the Nets. OG wants out to, uh, so that gets rid of a problem for the Nets. I'm sorry, for the Raptors. And it's it's really something with high upside for the Nets, but the main piece is Scotty Barnes. And that's why I don't think it's going to require a lot of, you know, picks. Um, I said five first rounders, given that there's no other player in the deal. I think they'd be willing to take one of those off if that player's Gary Trent Jr. or something like that, or even maybe two of them off if that player's Gary Trent Jr. But I don't think the Raptors necessarily do that just because uh, I don't think that's the best roster construction for a title if you get what i'm saying i think they need to keep both van vliet and and gary trent jr in order to compete but i think the best package is the raptors and for that reason i think the raptors are the most likely destination and the precedent is there some closing notes i want to go over i want to reiterate this is still a failure even if the nets trade for one of these packages right they it's not as bad as they were in 2013 with zero assets, zero picks, and they had to develop from, you know, castaway talent. They got D'Angelo Russell from, you know, taking on Timothy Mozgov's contract so the Lakers could afford LeBron. They got um, Spencer Dinwiddie off the trash heap from the D League, now the G League, uh, from the Detroit Pistons. Uh, Jared Allen was selected in the late 20s. Joe Harris was a practice squad guy out of Cleveland. They developed these guys and really made them into talent. So if there's a guy to do it, it's Sean Marks. And they're getting picks in return for Kevin Durant or players. So, you know, they they have more resources than they did, but this is still a failure. You're still going to, you know, ward off free agents for a long time. No one's going to want to come here to Brooklyn. As a Nets fan, I'm ready to move on, right? I think the, f- the first instinct I was hoping... Maybe he changes his mind, like Kobe changed his mind when he asked out in 07. You know, winning cures all. If they win a ring, he'll he'll want to stay. But I think it's been a few days, and I, I, I'm comfortable with the idea of them trading Kevin Durant if they get a good package in return, right? If that package is Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, or I should say t- t- even just Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and picks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be upset. But if it's that Raptors package, hmm. Brandon Ingram's in return? Tyrese Maxey is in return. Scotty Barnes is in return. I don't think that's necessarily as bad as it could be. All I got to say about Kyrie, one thing at the end, is he better not go to the Lakers and send Russell Westbrook back because I do not want to watch. I I mentioned earlier, I watch every single Nets game and I don't want to watch a game 
where Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons are on the court together in the backcourt. And then the rest center is Nick Claxton. Oh my gosh. That'd be the worst thing I've ever seen. Nick Claxton might be the third best shooter on the court. No, 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 please, please, please. If, if Kyrie Irving does end up in, in Laker land, I hope it's by, via three-way trade and someone else gets Russell Westbrook. Maybe the Pacers can buy him out or something like that and we get a piece back. But please, God, I, I could take Kyrie on the on the Lakers. That wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. It would suck, right? It would suck a lot. But I, I, I really couldn't see Russell Westbrook in a Nets uniform. That would really hurt me, especially with the current roster construction. Please don't do that, Brooklyn. That'll do it for this episode of Lots of Thoughts, a sports podcast. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening to what ended up being a Nets fans therapy session, which is kind of ironic because I think I said that last time when I was talking about the Nets being eliminated from the playoffs and I compared them to the Lakers, who's the biggest failure. I have the answer for you. It's the Nets if they trade Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Uh, that question wasn't out there long before I answered it. But that wasn't last episode. I'm sorry. That was two episodes ago. But uh, the last one, was, I was wrong about the Boston Celtics. But uh, besides the point, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I know this was kind of a long episode, so I appreciate each and every one of you if you got to this point. Uh, I really, really appreciate you. If you haven't already followed us on social media, on Instagram at Lots of Thoughts Sports, on TikTok at Lots of Thoughts Sports, on Twitter at LOT Sports Pod, or on the web at lotsofthoughts.godaddysice.com. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful rest of your day.